when the, the when the first child came out of the coffin in the at Hillsum, yeah, the whole mortuary went quiet. Normally, there's a hubbub. You know, you, you kind yeah. of you have a bit of you know, gallows humour, and you know, you talk to them, you talk yeah. to the deceased. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate, I have to open your mouth a little bit wider. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, we've got to get this x-ray in. So there's yeah. a bit of banter and there's talking. Most dentists are familiar with the vast variety of disciplines and specialties that exist within our profession. However, one less known specialty is that of forensic dentistry. We are joined today by Dr. Jeremy Graham, who will take us through his journey as a forensic dentist. You'll hear some incredible stories about his involvement in the 2004 Boxing Day tsunami, Black Saturday bushfires and the MH17 disaster. His reflections on these events are certainly inspiring and it's amazing to see the many ways in which our profession can contribute to a greater cause. This is Season 2, Episode 3. Welcome to the Donta Jam Podcast. Conversations about everyday dentistry for the general dentist. I'm your host, Dr. Jesse Liang, and it's great to have you tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks so much, Jeremy, for joining us on the show. It's great to have you. Not a problem at all, Jesse. Now, I'm really looking forward to the to the chat we're going to have. We'll, we'll be talking about uh, forensic dentistry and what what that's all about. But um, sure. before that, uh, for the uh, for benefit of our listeners, so why don't you, if you just give us a bit of a backstory about how you yourself got into got into dentistry and to kind of all the different paths that it took you on from there? <laughs> well, I, I come from a dental family. Okay. Um, my father was a dentist. Yes. Uh, my maternal grandfather was a dentist okay yeah my maternal uncle was a dentist yeah um even a second cousin was a dentist right so um pop started practicing in 1904 yeah and eventually moved into the t&g building right which in the old days was the the tooth and gum where there were i think about 70 dentists in the one building right um and on our floor there were nine dentists so competition, the TNG was not much. Yeah. Um, Pop okay. had a son called Vernon Sealy. So for those listeners who might be doing oral surgery, yeah. Um, a guy called Vernon Sealy was a very well-regarded oral surgeon, apparently brilliant. Yeah. Um, and he was my mum's brother. Um, Dad married Pop's youngest daughter, and had six children. Um, so I'm one of six. There you go. And I was the only one that kind of did the sciences. So I guess initially I did dentistry for dad, right, uh, okay. not for me, yep. to to carry on the tradition. So um, I eventually did dentistry for dad. Yep. Yeah. Um, then I think with most, even the, the the students of today, the the theory is all kind of boring you know the first two years but once you you hit your straps in the clinic then it becomes much more enjoyable and you're actually being a dentist so I found once we hit third year uh, which is when we started our clinical career making full upper and lower dentures that's when my my personality could could come out yep of course and and after that it was um it was easy it was good yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, because you because you worked in private private clinical practice for quite a number of years. Uh, no, no. Um, I I thought that um, 
if I'm going to be a Collins Street dentist, because TNG Building was on the corner of Collins and Russell Streets, it still right. exists. The TNG yes. Building. Yeah. Um, I thought, if well, if I'm going to be a Collins Street dentist for the for the rest of my life, I better do something that I want to do. Yeah. So yeah, I decided to join the Navy. Yes. Um, okay. yes. So I joined as a undergraduate. Um, sub-lieutenant, uh, one stripe, got okay. paid yep. as a oh, sub-lieutenant. Perfect. And then um, and then I passed my exams, entered the Navy, went down to Cerberus to learn how to be an officer. Didn't yep. do very well. Then went <laughs> over to um, to Perth, to Fremantle. Okay. HMAS Lord. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to stay on for another two years. So I got onto a ship, a real ship, a seagoing ship, HMAS Stalwart. Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, so I was on board Stalwart for a year, and then uh, with all sorts of stories, yeah, and then sure. I was in Carnival, which is the uh, shore establishment in Sydney, the main naval base. Yes, yes. A uh, bit of work out of a caravan in Platypus, which is the submarine base. Yeah. Wow. Then I went to Harmon in Canberra before I paid off. There you go. So a bit of a bit of everywhere. Yeah, and then and then once your navy once your navy days were 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 over, where did you where did you move on to? I, I joined Dad. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. So he was he was still working, yeah. but he could only kind of um, employ me for half time. Okay. So yeah. I was employed by the dental hospital as a kindergarten dentist. Oh, there you go. So I worked for seven years as a kindergarten dentist out at Sweevale. Yep. Yep. Where we saw kids up to the age of seven. Uh, we did two visits a year to the 10 or so kindergartens that were in the city of Springvale. Yeah, Any yeah. work that had to be done, they came to the clinic. Um, right. So I did that for seven years, still carried on with Dad. Yep. Um, we wanted to go overseas, so I wanted to make more money. So uh, I became an assistant from another dentist in Forest Hill. Okay, yes. Yeah. Then I thought, well, Dad's not going to stop. Yeah. So I bought my own practice in Caulfield. Yeah. Just opposite the Caulfield Town Hall. So mm. I worked half time in the city and half time in Caulfield. Yeah. So over a period of time, eventually dad stopped about the yeah. age of 84. Yep. Yeah. Closed the city practice or moved the city practice to Caulfield. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and worked in Caulfield five and a half days. Five Still and a half days a week. Days. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, pay things off, school for fees. Yep. Stuff like that. Yeah. There you go. Well, you're not you're not currently in private clinical practice anymore, no, right? Yep. No, I've hung up the handpiece. Hung up the handpiece. But when yeah. but when you were still um still there quite often, what what kind of gen- dentistry did you enjoy the most? Oh, I'm just a general dentist. I'm oh, I'm just I'm allowed to swear. I'm just a shit kicker. If you want. <laughs> um you know, jack of all trades and master of none. Um I I didn't specialize at all people yep. just came in for their six monthly i enjoyed doing scales and cleans i just did it manually yeah um i didn't do oral surgery yeah yeah <laughs> Not um, but yeah. i did did endo and crowns and all which is all that kind of stuff but no jack of all trades and master of none right, love so joy just... love general practice okay so just just having fun and enjoying good old general dentistry <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep. true <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, you're not you're not only um, uh, a general dentist. Uh, you're also uh, a forensic odontologist, um, also known as a forensic dentist. 
I guess. Yep. And, you know, for those who are listening right now who have never heard of a forensic dentist before, what what is a forensic odontologist? Well, an odontologist is, is a really big word for dentist. <laughs> um, apparently it has special connotations that, that that I don't understand. But but a forensic dentist is is a is or forensic dentistry is that branch of dentistry involved in the administration of justice. Yeah. So forensic comes from the Latin word forum, yeah. which is where all the announcements were made to the Roman populace. So yes. that's why it's got the legal connotations. Ah, okay. uh, forensic does not mean of dead people. Yes. Yeah. There are forensic accountants who, if people commit fraud or something, the forensic accountant goes in and yes. goes through the accounts. So they are doing that job as a forensic accountant yes, yes. in the administration of justice. Ah, so okay. so forensic means concerning the law. Yep. So, yeah. So all... all Aspects of all that, aspects, a few, yeah. but mainly we're, we're kind of known for doing dental IDs, okay? For the identifications, sure. Yep. And and, yep. and uh, you mentioned your role at the coroner's court, kind of yep. day to day. What what does that involve? Like, what does a typical day at the coroner's court look like for you? I'm I work there two days, um, Wednesdays and Thursdays, and I'm employed as an identification coordinator. Okay. So one of the tasks of the coroner is to assign identity. That yes. is one of the tasks. Yes. You know, the, the coroner shall consign identity to, to each individual deceased person in relation yes. to legal matters, cultural matters, religious matters, so that the law kind of says this person is dead because the coroner has said so. Said so, yeah. Okay. So I and my colleagues are employed by the Department of Justice in the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. Yes. In a particular part of the VIFM, Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, called CAE, Coronial Admissions and Inquiries. Ah, okay, yes. So that is the that is the hub. That is the exchange point between the Coroner's Court of Victoria the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine, which is a, which is established under a separate Act of Parliament. Right, so, okay. yeah. so the Coroner's Court is completely different to the Victorian Institute of Forensic Medicine. Right, it's right. Completely okay. different to Victoria Police. Yes. So the the CAE is is the hub. So the the okay. nurses there communicate with the coroner, the pathologists, the cops, and and the family. So I and my two colleagues. Um, are employed to coordinate the identification of each and every person that is admitted to the to the FIFM. Yes. So my work does not necessarily involve doing dental IDs. Okay. It right. involves deciding for the coroner how people are going to be formally identified. Right. And in most cases, it's easy. So if people die at home or in a hospital. Um, it, it might be sudden or unexpected, but but if they're if they've died at home and the family are there, then they sign what is called a statement of identification. Yes, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and says this is Fred Nurk. Uh, he's my dad. Uh, his date of birth is first of January nineteen forty-five. Yes. Signed uh, Kylie Nurk and witnessed by the police or by the by the hospital. Right. Okay. Then you might have heard of, of a report being repaired for the coroner. Yep. So that's called what is called a Form 83. Okay. 
So this is information about the deceased from the police point of view. Right, okay. So what I kind of do is make sure that um, all the information, the spelling of the surname, the spelling of the name, the date of birth, is the same on the 83 as on the statement of ID. Ah, right, okay, yes. yes. And then I I could tie them together and say, well, the cops reckon it's this person, the family says it's this person, so it's likely to be this person. Ah, yes, I see. So I might, I might, today, for example, I had to ring the police because of one letter of the alphabet. Yes. So a bloke's middle name yeah, was yeah. Ernest. Yep. And the normal spelling, yeah, to me, is E R N E S T. Yes. But the family tells us that the spelling of his, uh, of his middle name was Ernest, as in Keen, E A R N E S T. All right. Okay. So it doesn't sound very much. You say, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. But when you assign identity, you've got to get the name right. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So we're, we're still, it's still unresolved. You know, okay. Yes. Ernest, as in Keen, seems an extraordinary way to spell a name. Spell a name. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, hey, so so it's that kind of stuff. I'm, uh, it's been all very um, picky, yeah. uh, finickety, yes, uh, yes. anal, Yep. Of making sure that everything is absolutely spot on, but but we we do the identifications, and then the coroner does the coroner themselves yeah. uh, does a bit of quality assurance and make sure that the name is right, right, okay, make sure the date of birth is right, make sure everything's right, yes. because the coroner is actually the person that assigns the identity. We just kind of do it on their behalf, yes, but the coroner still actually assigns identity. So oh, right, okay. if it's wrong, it comes yep. bouncing back to us. Ah, I see, I see. So I, I sit in front of my computer here at home. Yep. Um, an enormous list. So what's I'm the date sure. today? The thirteenth. Yep. Yeah. We're up to about two hundred and seventy people already. Two hundred just just on the thirteenth. Have been admitted to to the VIFM since the first of January. So the count starts again on the first of January. Yeah. So on the thirteenth of January, we're up to about two hundred and seventy people already have been admitted to the coroner's court. Wow, that'd be that'd be keeping you busy. And each and every one of those has to be formally identified. So yeah. if if they're not if they're unable to be visually identified, yeah. um, then we have to go down the scientific ways, which yep. is DNA, yes, fingerprints, yep. or dental. Yes. So of course if a dental ID does have to be done, yep. then Lindell, Lindell Smythe. Who some of your listeners might know as a demonstrator at the University of Melbourne. Yes. Um, so then it's up to Lindell or I to to do the dental IDs. But my I didn't do one dental ID today. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just got you know that that family um, just recently. Yeah. We're deciding on how we're going to identify them. Right. Okay. So um, that occupied a bit of time. Um, a bloke was admitted who, as it turned out, was an illegal immigrant. And right, for the okay. last six years, he's been using a friend's identity. Right, okay. Wow. So he went into a hospital and said, yes. oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Joe Bloggs. Yeah. And it turns out his name wasn't Joe Bloggs right. at all. It yeah. was Roger Smith. Um, and he's in Australia legally, he's kind of overstayed his, his visa. Right. So okay. now we have to find documentary evidence to say, well, Roger Smith, you know, 
So yep. a visa photo or a passport photo or, or something. So wow. I spent a whole lot of time trying to, to sort through that. So it's really uh, thought-provoking. It's yep. flat out like a lizard drinking. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't necessarily do 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 dental stuff. Yeah, it's okay. There you go. Anal personality, I guess. <laughs> well, it sounds very broad. Like you're, you're really oh, yeah. touching on a whole whole bunch of things there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, what what would you say then? Uh, first, uh, got you interested in the whole you know, forensic dentistry thing, or just forensics in in general? <laughs> this is this is a tiny bit embarrassing. <laughs> oh, um, go ahead. <laughs> it was in uh, it was late 1999, and I was adrift in my CPD points. Oh, yes, yes. So they had a three-day course on sculpturing the facial features of the deceased. Okay. So you kind of get a, a skull. Yeah. And then you put on the soft tissue. Right. Ah. Muscles of mastication. There you go. I remember them. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Maybe. Muscles <laughs> of facial expression. Yes. Wow. The parotid gland. Yeah. So that the, the framework is put on in in essentially uh, wax. Yeah. Um, to to and and the face of the skull is actually what gives our face its 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 features. So this was a three day course on 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 doing that, and it it really struck me. So I asked um, John Clement, yep. the late John Clement. Yep. Um, because I knew that the forensic odontology course was run at the University of Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. That's right. um, so he took me on in 2000. So I did the graduate diploma in forensic odontology yes. through the University of Melbourne in 2000. Right, So okay. it was very yeah. much a instantaneous decision yeah, um, okay. and it has certainly taken me all sorts of crazy places. Yeah, well, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. I mean, yeah. Well, your role hasn't only been confined to to the coroner's court. It actually extends much much further. Uh, you know, you've been involved in identification of victims of the Thailand Boxing Day tsunami, the Black yep. Saturday bushfires, um, yep. MH17 disaster. I mean, these yep. are incredibly tragic events, and I probably couldn't even imagine how confronting they would have been. It's an un, unknown world to many dentists, let alone anyone. You know, would you be able to unpack maybe just a little bit about those, you know, um, during those times of disaster, how your role as a, as a forensic dentist, how you played into that entire team? Just kind of, if you could paint kind of the picture. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I, I got through in 2000. Um, so I was a, a new kid on the block with Bali. Okay. So I think yeah. that happened in 2002. Yes. Um, and um, I was on call to go to Bali but but never got the, the call. Okay. Then in in 2004 yep. was the um, Boxing Day tsunami. Yes. So because of the scale of that disaster, yeah. because of the role of the AFP, the Australian Federal Police, they had just been... Uh, had signed an agreement, if you like, with the Thai government right, okay. about DVI because of the AFP's role in, in Bali. Right, so okay, when yeah. the the um, tsunami struck um, Thailand, the Thai government, which is the, which was the focus of the identification effort, 
yes, yes. the Thai government asked the AFP to be what is called the lead agency right. so that the AFP run the show okay. on behalf yep. of the Thai government. Yes. So part of that, of course, was to provide all all the services. Right, yes. So, yes. so because, you know, there, there were 4,500. Right, yeah. At least, and yeah. that was just in Thailand in, in one yes. particular part of it. Yeah. So, and because of, you know, I think people from 30 nations lost their lives yes. in, the, in the tsunami, yeah. they all wanted to help. They all wanted to send teams to, to, to identify these people. And, of course, Australia lost a, a number, 15, I think. Yeah. And because we were the lead agency, because the AFP were the lead agency, of course, they sent Australian dentists, Australian pathologists, um, Australian mortuary technicians. So right. with uh, with the tsunami, I went in the third rotation. So that was about three weeks after the tsunami itself. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was my first experience of, of something that big. Yeah. And. Of Thailand was empty, so th- so the identification effort was centred in Phuket, right? Um, and everyone had gone because of the because of the tsunami. So we were put up in a five star hotel, which was right. empty except for the for the DVI personnel. Okay. Um, and then the uh, where the mortuary was was in uh, the resort area of Kaolack, which right. is about two hour drive north. Of Phuket, okay. so because the AFP were the lead agency, they had to open up shop. Yeah. So to open up shop by eight o'clock, we had to leave Phuket at half past five. Right. Okay. In the morning. Yeah. Yep. Two-hour drive, and I don't know if you've been in in an Asian country, but the the driving rules are different. different. So, <laughs> you know, that was an experience in itself, driving the two hours up to Kaolack. AFP opened up the, yeah. the joint. Yeah. And it, in my first rotation, I was quality assurance. Okay. So yeah. um, the pathologists got a part of a temple, uh, a what, as, right. the, as the mortuary, and it was right. air-conditioned for the poor darlings. Right. Out the front of that were where fingerprints were taken. Yes, yes. And that's why I now have such a high regard for fingerprint experts because what they, how they lifted fingerprints from some of the people yeah, was just right. absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah. So out, out of the front were fingerprints, say three teams of fingerprint experts. Yes, Then yes. they went into the air-conditioned mortuary where the aim of it was to determine ID. Yeah. Uh, the cause of death was drowning in likelihood, then yeah. then the records came outside to quality assurance. So I was sitting outside in the heat. Oh, yeah. And um, because it's a Buddhist country and because it's a what? Yes. We had statues of Buddha everywhere. And in Buddhism, right, okay. if you put something within a couple of feet of Buddha, it's Buddhist. Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, I better not upset some of my viewers, but some of the more arrogant nationalities put their drinks off, for example, or their camera down, kind of where Buddha was. Right. 
We said, oh, I'm sorry, you can't touch that now because that's Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> but but he had to, do, to kind of look at the look at the um, the X-rays to make sure that they were okay. Yes. Make sure the fingerprints had been taken properly. Yes. Quality assurance. So yeah. so that's what I did for for about two weeks. Yeah. Um, eventually, we got a helicopter. Right. So instead of driving up for for two hours and back for two hours, we flew up in helicopter. Okay. Yeah. A lot awesome. quicker. A lot, a lot quicker <laughs> and awesome, and then you could really see the the effects of the tsunami on on the countryside. And oh, again, yeah. because we were with the AFP, we actually went on the ground to some of to the local resorts yes, right yeah. on the seaboard. Yes, yeah. And the effects of the tsunami. It was just, it was just, just an amazing, an amazing experience. Yeah. It was because of the helicopters, because of all the different tasks I had to do that was that were completely uh, removed from general practice. Yeah, of course. It was just an amazing experience. Yeah. Positive. But I found that when I got back, uh, you go for a two and a half week rotation. When yes. I got back, yes. Um patients used to come in. Oh, thank you for the job you did, because they knew that I that I went to I said to get a locum in to 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 treat my patients. They yes. said, Oh, thank you for going. But the filling you did last time came out. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, you know, there are thousands of people lying unidentified up in Thailand. Yeah. And you're complaining about a lost filling or the filling being high. Yeah. So I've I I didn't I didn't cope with that of, right. of being okay. at the sharp edge, at the pointy yes. edge yes, of yes. the ID effort and yeah. then coming back to this mundanity. Yeah. And I took it out on my siblings. Right. Okay. So they said to Kara, what's wrong with Jair? Yeah. Like, why is he being such an asshole? Right, right. And it was just the, the this um the change from doing this amazing work with wonderful, wonderful people from around the world. Yes, yeah. Coming back to mundanity. Yeah. So wow. I I was offered um debriefing. Okay. Which I didn't yeah. take up, which was stupid. Right. Okay. Uh, the second rotation I went up in May, I think, and I was in reconciliation, which is the matching. Right. So I okay. sat in front of a computer, got a printout of possible matches. Yes. And I think there are about 50 possible matches to a page. You were just given this page. Here you are, Jeremy. Here are these possible matches because there's we've got a computer program that comes yeah. up with possible matches. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of got each one our page, sat, and went through each possible, looking at the anti-mortem records, looking at the post-mortem records to see if it was possible. Wow. So that's what I did for, for two weeks, and that was just, wow, just um, amazing, just uh, the most wonderful experience Yeah, actually getting these people home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean it, was, it was just awesome. Amazing experience. I guess it would have felt like a a much different and much larger responsibility to to something you to something or anything you had done. Uh, yes, certainly, certainly with the um, first rotation with the uh, the quality assurance. Yeah, and then 
um, we kind of helped establish a, a hospital. We did a couple of, of PMs. Yeah, okay. Uh, so you, you're, you're very much part of a team. Yeah, yeah. So with the which, which I'll come to later with MH17. Yeah, yeah. With with um with the reconciliation, a drone like yeah. me kind of <laughs> sat and said, "Hey, sir, sir, I've got a match." Yeah. So then those records went to another dentist, right, right, who had a look, and he had to say, "Yeah." Then it went to the reconciliation team leader. He had to say, yeah. Right, okay. Then it went to the Dutch bull goose loony who was in charge of reconciliation, yeah. and he had a Thai dentist. Right. So both of them had to be convinced. So the initial responsibility was mine, but then it was shared yeah. with five or six other dentists. Right, okay. So by the time that particular case came to what is called the reconciliation board, yeah. so in Thailand – it was a, a board of Thai officers chaired by a Thai general and the AFP, as the lead agency, had to present the case to this Thai board. And on the dental side of things, it really helped if there was a Thai dentist who said, yeah, this is, this is fair dinkum. This, this, you know, what these people are doing is... Is dead set true? And yes, this person is this person. So right. the, the responsibility in in um, in the tsunami, I was a bottom dweller. Ah, okay. A bottom so feeder. So it was your first major rodeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just a drone. So <laughs> um, so yeah, the responsibility wasn't wasn't there really, but with the two later big incidents that you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, the the responsibility is there, but again, you're you're part of the you're part of the team. You're just a small cog. You are not a you're not the leader. Yes. Yeah. So you're you're, you're very much part of a team. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with the later ones, it's that teamwork well and truly came through. And by that time, by the time of the bushfires and MA17, yes, I'd kind of earned the spurs. Yep. In relation to being a forensic dentist and 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 DVI, so yeah, the responsibility is there, but you're you part of a team. You might own yep. your own practice, but yep. when you go on deployment with the AFP, you tow their line because they're paying you. Yeah, yeah and you've got to work as a team. You can't go off as like the Lone Ranger and kind of do your yep. own stuff. Well, these are huge operations, so they are oh yeah. enormous, enormous operations. Yeah, I mean. Yep. It's hard, hard, to, hard to even imagine. And so, I mean, when you move, when you've got involved with the Black Saturday bushfires and mm-hmm. and the MH17, so mm-hmm. you weren't you were doing a similar work, but you just had a slightly different role. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So with 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 the bushfires, you know, it was here in Victoria. Yes. And I remember that day; it was hot as hell, oh, and you could yeah. see the fires. Yeah. Um. So I went into the institute at eight o'clock on the Sunday morning. Okay. And the toll just kept on climbing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we thought it was going to be thousands because we had so many missing persons reports. Yes. And they got, got slowly got whittled down. Yeah. So with the bushfires, it went for months. It went for about four months. Okay. Um, I just started 
at La Trobe. Okay. Yes. Um, permanently. I was trying to sell the practice. Um, my dad died. Oh, well. My that's... dog died just two weeks yeah. before dad did. Yeah. So I had a kind of a pretty full-on kind of couple of months in, in 2000 and, uh, 2009. Yeah. And yeah. I was logistics. Okay. Because I'd been at the Institute for about 10 years, because I was doing my master's, uh, yes, I yeah. kind of, through through Monash, yeah, yeah. I kind of knew people. Yes. And they knew me. Yes. So I was logistics. Okay. Um, which drove me mad. You know, yeah. people used to come in from the from the mortuary or whatever and say, Oh, we did this, we saw this. And here am I kind of counting paper clips, what I was what I regarded it as. Yes. But yeah. you know, we, we had to set up everything from scratch. Um yeah. the, the the mortuary was full because of the heat wave before the bushfires. So the institute had to get in refrigeration. We had to, we had to fit out the institute to do hundreds of IDs. We had to get people in. People came from interstate. People came from Japan, from Indonesia, wow. and at that time, each dental board in the state was separate. We didn't have the dental board of Australia. Yeah, we yeah. had the dental board of Victoria. Yeah, we had the dental board of New South Wales. Yeah. We had the Dental Board of Western Australia. So when interstate dentists came to Victoria, they had to get registered. Yeah. Because well. even though these people were dead, they were still practising dentistry. So right. they had to be temporarily registered with the Dental Board of Victoria before they could start. Right. We had to we had to put them up. We had to put them into accommodation. We had yeah. to organise their pay. We had to organise the timetables. We had to organised protocols. We had to get all the information. We had to receive the documents from the from the dentist. So, yeah, I was in logistics wow. okay. um, yeah. and it was enormous. It, yeah. As I said, it, it gave me the, the pip a bit, but it could not have happened without without me, which is kind of what I regarded as and, and Rich Bassett, yeah. uh, my boss yeah. now, he just wrote me a lovely letter saying, you know, anybody could take x-rays, but no one could have done what you did. Yeah, so that really, really pleased me. And yeah. I did have, I did go for a psychological debrief, which right. was a psychologist, okay. yeah. and, yes. and talked about issues that I had after the bushfires. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, that, that in itself, that disaster in itself is incredibly confronting for, yep. for everyone, yep. um, even beyond Victoria. Um, yes, and to be, I mean, imagine logistics in that kind of a scenario would be a pretty uh, uh, intense uh, and uh, just, it I was, mean, a lot of things was, to manage there. It was full on. Yeah. It was full on. So, yeah, we used to go in at the weekends. Yeah. Saturday, yeah. Sunday. Uh, then I had to go up to Bendigo on Mondays and Tuesdays. Yes. Uh, yeah. Then come back. Yeah, if I couldn't get a locum, I had to go to the practice and try and catch up and then go in uh, after after work. To about yeah. nine o'clock. So yeah, it was oh. it was full on. It was full on. Yeah, and what what about then MH17? What how did your role differ for that? Uh, for I that actually disaster? did post mortems. Okay. So um, in in July when uh, MH17 came down, uh, the VIFM was the duty state 
So right. the pathologists have a duty roster. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with a disaster, that state kind of supplies the, the scientific team. So in July, mm-hmm. uh, Victoria was on call. So Rich Bassett approached me and said, do you want to go to the Netherlands and identify MH17? I said, right. oh, God, of course. Yeah. No, no. No questions asked. Of course I'll go. Yeah. Of course I'll go. Yeah. So, um, so they said, okay, well, you'll be leaving at some time. So I went up to Bendigo on the Monday. Yeah, yeah. And I got a phone call, oh, you're leaving at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, not, much I, not, not much notice. So, and, and that's the way the AFE run. Um, okay. So drove back down to Melbourne, asked Cara to start packing for me. Um, had to get time off from the university. Yeah. Um, had to get time off at the at the practice that I'd just sold. So Yo Marcel, I couldn't work, so he stepped into the bridge. Yeah. 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 And then I was talking about the about the team. We we flew out um, with a couple of cops from Victoria that we'd never met before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we flew to Singapore, I think, and we picked up a couple of other Australians. So there was a team of 10 of us. Right, yes. Um, four from the Institute, uh, David Ranson, who's a pathologist. Yeah. Um, Gemma, who was the mortuary technician. Okay. And then Lyndall and I were, were the dentists. Yes, yeah. The rest of the team were all cops. Yep. Victoria Police and AFP. And we had to, we had to immediately meld together as a team. So yeah. we got to Amsterdam. Yep. They moved us to Hilversum. Right. Which was a, a, a military base. Yeah. Um, so we were put up there just in accommodation and we had to meld as a team immediately. Yeah. It's amazing how the cops find beer. Okay. There you go. So we had our own debriefing every day in one of our cabins, just we Australians. Yeah, fair enough. Um, then we went and had a meal with the other rat bags and got led astray. But you know, yeah, we, we again that you know, they had the, the, the Dutch set up this mortuary in a um, a gymnasium, it was yeah. in a church, right? And we had to set up, set up our station. Yes. Um, and it was. It was mind-blowing, and we actually did the post-mortems, our task in the two and a half weeks yeah. with four other teams of dentists yeah, was yeah. to complete the post-mortem stage. Right. So we worked our ass off. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. We, someone had put formaldehyde, formalin, into the – Coffins. Okay. Yep. And that therefore released formaldehyde. Yep. So we had to do our the postmortems in Keflex suits. Yeah. Um, of course. Respirators. Yeah. You weren't allowed in if you didn't have all this on. So yeah, you know, the big things with the suckers here, like you know, Darth yeah, Darth yeah. Um So I couldn't wear my glasses. Oh well. <laughs> um, so it was, and they kept kind of going round and did quality assurance of the formaldehyde levels. Yes, yeah. Um, and that was just that was just full on. 
Yeah, well, that um, would have seemed almost otherworldly in many ways. Just uh, oh, yeah, very. Given what you were doing as well. Oh, surreal. Yeah, yeah, very surreal. So, oh, wow, yeah, the Dutch were amazing. You know yeah. how yeah. straight down the line they are. They <laughs> they had things organised beautifully. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but but we just had to we just had to work as a team. And yeah, of course. One one of the fingerprint people that is is in charge of the fingerprint branch now. So quite often I speak to Craig about stuff that I do at the institute. Yes, yeah. And yeah, you know, we've got this relationship, and and they're just they're just the most lovely people who yeah. are involved with this because you are all in it together. You are part of a team. No one is is God. Yeah. Um, you are just there working your ass off. Yeah, um, yeah. And I couldn't stand back and say, "Look, I'm sorry, I'm in, I'm in my mid sixties, I'm not going to help lift that body." Yeah, and it was literally a dead weight. Well, you're in there yeah. to work, so yeah. it might have taken four of us to move a body from a gir- from a, a trolley onto the gurney to to do everything. Yeah, well, you're, you're there, you're there to, you're there to work. You yeah. are, you are. We went from eight until four. Every day, if not five. Yeah. yeah. Oh. An hour for lunch. Seven days a week. Yeah. Um, we got one day off at the very, very end. Um, just, just one day. Just one day off, yeah. Yeah. And that's, okay. again, that's the norm. Yeah. That's well, the norm. You, okay. you are there to work with exactly the same in, in Thailand. We got one day off. Wow. Yeah. So it's full on. Definitely. What, what, what did you find some of the other challenges or maybe the unsuspecting challenges that you kind of encountered um, in the role? Oh, with, with, with MH17, it was just a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, my daughters didn't really know what I did as a forensic okay. dentist. Yeah. Okay. So when, they, when I told them that I was going, yeah. they were just so proud of me. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, no, we were going to go and see Labiz together as a family. Yeah. I yeah. and I couldn't because I was in in the Netherlands. Yes. Yeah. But the 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 family was just so proud of me. My, my brothers and sisters were so proud. My patients, you know, yeah. you students. Yeah. The trove was awesome. Um, so it was such a uplifting experience to work with such lovely people and doing. Such a great job, if I may say so myself. Yeah, no. To <laughs> to to identify all the people. Yes. On MH17. Yeah, yeah. We weren't there to identify the Australians. We yeah. were there to do the postmortem stage on everybody that was on MH17, be it Malaysian, German, Dutch, Australian, whatever, because we didn't know who they were. That's the point of the yeah. exercise. Yeah. These people come in, body two, three, four, five, six. Yes, and then we have all the anti-mortem records of the of the people on the plane. Yeah, and then the yeah. reconciliation team. Yeah, they do the matching. So, yeah. with MA seventeen, I was in the postmortem right. phase, and yeah. that's all we did postmortems. Hey, you know, when you're kind of face to face with that situation, and and you know, I guess the surreal, I guess how given how surreal it was as well. What kind of do you, are you kind of just in work mode, so you just kind of go yeah. go through it, or like when do you actually get to process what you are actually doing uh, emotionally, or is it is that just when you come home and 
reflecting on it. Uh, well, you know, as I said, we, we had our own debriefing every night. Yeah, yep. Yeah, over a right. couple of beers. Yes. Um, just the ten of us. Yeah. Got together, had a couple of beers, just talked about things and just again kind of melded as a team. Of course. MA17 was completely different because of you know, Australia's involvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. losing that many people in the in the incident. Yeah. So we knew that we were there with all of Australia's blessing. Yeah. We were there yeah. kind of with the world's blessing. Yeah. And we just took our time, worked as a team, worked our butts off. Yeah. And did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but even so, I still learning from the from the tsunami, even yeah. though it was such a positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. I still went to a psychologist afterwards and, and had my psychological debriefing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, yeah, after after such a such a heavy weight of responsibility, yep. you know, it's yep. um def, definitely necessary there. Um, yep. But it, it's as as you said, it was such a in many ways it sounded like such an incredibly amazing experience, and I think it is something to be to be proud of. You know, very 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 positive, very yeah. positive experience. Oh, yeah, DVI is not good, you know, yeah. with with with, um, with that number of people dying, but yeah, yeah, you. Know, you we we do what we do for one group of people and one group of people only. Yeah, and that's the families. Yeah, of course. That's who we do it for. We don't do it for. Yeah. We didn't do it for Tony Abbott or or any of them. Yeah. We did it for the, all the families of those people that died on image of May seventeen. Yeah, wow. They're the only people we do it for. No one else. Yeah. Same with the bushfires. Same with the tsunami. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what did you what did you kind of learn about? Um, people in these situations, and what did you learn about learn about yourself if you're able to reflect? Uh, uh, I guess by by that time, being a forensic dentist, yeah, I've kind of become inured to seeing people in in various states of disruption. Yes, yeah, kind of become hardened to that. Yeah, yeah, um, possibly, unfortunately. Um, when the the when the first child came out of the coffin in the at Hillsum, yeah, the whole mortuary went quiet. Normally, there's a hubbub. You know, you, you kind yeah. of you have a bit of you know gallows humour, and you know you talk to them, you talk yeah. to the deceased. Yeah. Oh, sorry, mate, I have to open your mouth a little bit wider. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, we've got to get this X-ray in. So there's yeah. a bit of banter and there's talking and yes. you know, lots of people there. But when the when the first child was was taken out of, of the body bag, just silence kind of yeah. enveloped the whole the whole mortuary. Uh, so we're we're affected by yeah. by that. Oh, um, we 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 still are. Yeah, um, of course. But but as I said, so so I guess I've, I've become hardened to seeing death like that. But it still, you know, upsets me a little. Yeah. Um. But about other people in DVI, I've just learned to work with wonderful, beautiful human beings. Yeah. That's they really are a credit to, be it fingerprints or photography or pathologists or technicians from the Netherlands, Germany, Malaysia, the Poms. 
Yeah. All the people involved with DVI are just the most beautiful human beings. Yeah. They are beautiful people. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so great to hear that, you know, when you're dealing with such heavy matters as as what you had to go through or, you know, the mul- multiple times that you, the fact that you're all on the same page and you said yep. you all did it for the families and you all knew you were doing it, why you were doing it. I guess that was a reason enough to, to band together and just, just work together, even though you didn't know, you don't know many of them before. Exactly before. right. Yeah. That was fantastic. No, definitely something you should be incredibly proud of, Jeremy. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing so candidly about that. Oh, um, it's fine. Look, maybe on a maybe on a lighter note, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've all you know you're also been a teacher, tutor, lecturer for many years. It's a, an area that you're incredibly passionate about as well. I personally have seen this firsthand many times. Um, you know, what, what do you think uh, over the your years teaching? What do you think, if anything, has changed for dental education over over the years? Well, I guess, I guess when I went through, um, we had essentially sociopaths right. as teachers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm a grumpy old man, Jesse, as you well know. Oh, I don't remember any of that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but 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 some of the people that we had teachers were just sociopaths. They okay. were just complete. Right. They were okay. just unpleasant and they reveled in being unpleasant. Right. They enjoyed being unpleasant to students in front of patients, in front of other staff, in front of other students. They were unpleasant people. So I thought, well, well, if I get the chance to teach, I am not going to be that. Yeah. I wear my heart on my sleeve, as you as you said. So if I'm angry or upset. People know about it. Yeah. Um, I don't like rudeness. I don't like being interrupted. I don't like being um, talked at by first year students, third year students, as if I'm a, a nobody. There's a yeah. there's a hierarchy. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I insist on in, on being called Dr. G or Dr. J. They're not going to call me Jeremy. No way on God's earth. Yeah. Um, because yeah. there's this. There's this hierarchy, and to me, when people step over that line, it really annoys me. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I do and say the wrong thing. But, you know, yeah. to, to me, being a teacher, it's it's a relay. Yeah. You know, I've got this X many years, Yeah. 46 years of of being a dentist, yeah, and 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 I guess you know I've got to be able to pass that on, yeah. yeah. Be it, you know, I'd, they don't let me in the clinic, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> but even even so, even when I am let loose in the clinic or when I do stuff for the flying doctor, yes, yeah, students see the different side of of Doctor Jeremy, yeah, because I've treated had treated people in private practice yeah. for 40 years, you know how to you know how to talk to people. Yes. But you're yeah. not on a pedestal. Yeah. You don't know everything. Yeah. They've come to see you because they trust you. Yeah, of course. Um, so over the period of time that I was in private practice, I you know my some of my patients became my friends because yeah. they just used to come in every six months to have yeah. their teeth cleaned. Yeah. 
to have a filling fixed every now and then to do a crown yeah, because they trusted me because I tried to teach them or treat them like I treat anybody else. And, again, sometimes I stepped over the line because, yep. again, for the same reason, you know, people arriving late, people breaking appointments and just being, not paying their accounts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, I warm hard on my sleeve sometimes. But, yep. um, but I think it just kind of that the dental law, not L-A-W, L-O-R-E. L-O-R-E, yes. Um, you know, talking to people to, to relax them, telling them what you're doing, um, gaining their trust, yeah. um, knowing your stuff, yeah. um, doing the stuff, you know, these things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Being able to do what you want them to do, be it a crown prep or finding MB2 or or whatever, and then if you make a mistake, yeah. you say so. Yep. Sorry, Mrs. Jones, I've just broken a file down your tooth. I was trying to get the nerve out. Yeah. And it and it broke, like sometimes it does. Yes. Broken files are really good root filling, but you know, hopefully it'll last and you take an X-ray. So explain it. You say you've got to got it, make your mistakes. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And you don't know everything. Yeah, I don't no. know everything. No. Wow. So so I, I guess I've just tried to yeah, impart my knowledge in a in a in a nice way. Definitely. And what do you think? I mean, because you, you, you deal mainly with um, students that have come straight out of like VCE in high school. What, yeah. what, what do you tend to find that they struggle with the most coming into a coming into a dental degree? Oh, coming down to my level. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm just a dickhead. I'm just a silly old fool and these young kids come in and you know they've don't even go down this track but they come in with this enormous atar yes but they might have the personality of a toadstool yeah and they know everything which is so yeah. handy because i don't <laughs> so i i find that some students yeah um you know really push the limits in that regard. Okay. Um, because they got this ATAR. They've been kind of spoon-fed at school to, yeah. to get this enormous ATAR. Yes. As I say to them, to be a good dentist, you don't have to be clever. If you knew yeah. what I got into dentistry on, you would die. <laughs> um, physics, I got Bs, high Bs. Yep, high Bs. In chemistry and French, um, <laughs> I got uh, what was the other one? Maths and I uh, failed English. Okay, there you go. Failed metric English. Yeah. Um, two Bs, two Cs, and an E. I got into dentistry on. There you go. Failed first year. Yep. But I can communicate. Yep. In language that that they understand, which is what you've got to do. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, these things did what I want them to do. Yeah. And then forty six years later, still still going. <laughs> in a fashion. In a, in a fashion, yes. I don't trust know. these things now. God, so. <laughs> yeah, Muscle so. memories out the window now. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so then what, what would you say then um, kind of, you know, students moving into the real world, what things do you think they would need to focus on? Like if you could to kind of talk to yourself when you were going through those early, early years, what would, uh, what would you kind of say? Don't go like a bullet a gate. Yep. Know what you don't know. Okay. Yeah. Know what you don't know. Yeah. You don't know everything. Yeah. Um, seek help if you've, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a to join a practice that you know has got a more senior dentist. Ask yeah. for help, and and if there are any kind of dentists, they'll give you it freely. Okay. And generously. Yeah. So, don't go like a bull at a gate. Yeah. Know what you don't know. Okay. Yeah. Seek help. Yeah. Uh, why? Definitely, definitely wise words, and uh, I'm sure beneficial to a lot of people. A lot of people are uh, listening. Look, look, Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, for this conversation. It's been incredibly enlightening uh, and entertaining. Uh, but we've, really, <laughs> we, <laughs> we've talked about you know a whole range of topics and, and some very very heavy topics too. So again, I want to thank you for being so candid about about that. And no um, it's definitely a, an achievement and experiences that you should be uh, incredibly proud of. Um, so, thank you. Look, you know, thank you so much for joining us on the show and um, look forward to, to seeing you again soon. Not a problem at all. Jesse, thank you very much indeed for the invitation. I, I hope I haven't disappointed your avid listeners. No, I'm, I'm sure you haven't. I'm, I'm sure, sure your ratings will go through the roof. <laughs> well, that's what I'm hoping. This. That's what I'm hoping. So <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Dr. G. <laughs> no worries at all. And we'll uh, hopefully we'll see each other around after this COVID gets out of the way. Yes, I hope so. Definitely. <laughs>